For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We've been talking a fair amount today, as we have for a while now, on how unsettled the world is in all kinds of different ways. The economy, the world order, military situations, variety. There's this virus that I've heard about. (laughs) It's always great uh, when we get a chance to talk to Ian Bremmer, who is the president and founder of Eurasia Group, a political risk research and consulting firm whose job is to figure out what's going on, not to please us politically, but to protect its clients, etc. Ian joins us now. How are you, sir? Hey, how are you, men? Good to talk to you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. Before we get started, we want you to know that something you said on your last appearance on the Armstrong and Getty Show has become a fan favorite. We play it all the time. Michael, if you'd be so kind. Are you shitting me? I thought we were going to play the long version of it. The hell do you people not talk to each other? Would I rather be in Washington or in Beijing? Are you shitting me? Of course, I'd rather be in the United States, right? I don't. I don't know if you recall saying that, and we we wondered at the time, like, did was that a slip of the tongue? Were you just excited? Did you forget we were on the air? Did you think we're a college radio show? We're just wondering what was going on. I did. I thought you. I thought that you allowed, um, you know, sort of more casual obscenities. We should. It's it's my jihad is to 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 allow bull s to be used on the air, but no, yeah, we have millions and millions of podload downs, uh, podcast downloads, but it starts as a radio show. So anyway, we are not essing you, Ian. We are glad to be chatting with you about the 2022 global risk list. It is compelling as always. Uh, now, as as former DJs, we might want to count down to number one, but let's just start with oh, number no. one. <laughs> <laughs> What what is number one this year? Number one, number one. Well, we've been living with this pandemic for the last two years, so it's hard to throw it out, especially with the gaudy number of cases that you know was seven hundred fifty thousand yesterday in the U.S. and it's as sure as an undercount. The the name of the number one risk is no zero COVID, and what that means, because you know we're focusing on the whole year, is that actually the biggest problem 
is China. Um, the, the country that did the best job responding to COVID once they admitted to it uh, back in 2020 because they could test and trace, they could lock down, they could quarantine. They're going to have an enormously hard time dealing with the newest variant, Omicron, because as you've seen from a bunch of Biden advisors the last couple of days, we need to pivot to living with the virus. We've got the therapeutics. We've got the vaccines. And it's not about case numbers anymore. It's about hospitalizations and deaths. The Chinese can't do that. And they can't do it, number one, because their vaccines don't work in any way to stop Omicron spread. Number two, because no one in China has actually gotten the virus yet, so they have very low antibody levels, and they're focusing on stopping spread. So they, they will shut down a city of 13 million people with a handful of cases. They have the ability to do it. The impact of that this year on the Chinese economy and on the Chinese supply chain to the rest of the world is going to be really, really big. And no one's really focusing on this yet. So uh, that that strikes us as the biggest problem out there for 2022. Okay, so you got to that at at the end there. That makes sense, because while I'm I'm not a, a horrible human being that doesn't care about people, I'm not that concerned about how many people in China end up getting covid. The fact that it affects the supply chain for the rest of the world, you think that's going to be a a noticeable problem? Yeah, it's the second largest economy in the world, and it's the factory for the world. And, you know, if you ask Americans what they're most concerned about right now and what's driving Biden's comparatively low popularity, they'll say inflation. Well, where do you think that comes from? I mean, you know, we've had real difficulties getting goods from China. We've had real challenges with port facilities and with container ships and the rest. Well, that that should get fixed a lot faster if we're all able to live with the virus. But if the world's second largest economy and biggest producer of stuff that we need is actually locking down like crazy all year. And by the way, you know, they, they won't even license Western mRNA vaccines. Like, you know, Pfizer and Moderna, they're waiting for their own Chinese mRNA vaccine, which they're pushing hard, but it's not going to be ready till the end of the year for, for big for big league wow. population rollout. So 2022 is a problem here. It's just really interesting. I'd say it is. Hey, and not and I don't want to get too far off uh, your, your list of risks because we look forward to it every year. But how big a deal is it that we found out this year that she is actually a communist? I mean, he's not just like a Putin-style dictator who wants to be rich and powerful, it would seem he's an actual communist and is like reining back the, uh, you know, the, the successful businesses and sectors in a weird way. That, that seems like good news for us. Uh, you know, the Chinese economy right now is more unequal than even the United States. And for an ostensibly socialist country, um, that's a problem. And so... What you have is Xi Jinping acting like an authoritarian populist, saying, no, I, I, don't, I don't care about Jack Ma. I care about the working class and the middle class. And, and, and that means I'm willing to take some hits in terms of my private sector. So I don't know if you saw the Chinese government a few months ago said, if you're a kid, you get two hours a week on video games. You don't, you don't use them. They don't roll over to the next week. Right. I know a lot of American parents that would love to put that in place, too. But the fact is that, that that's basically you know, cutting an enormous amount of wealth generation out of those companies. He doesn't care. So and- I do think that that's going to be a hit for a number of really, really profitable Chinese firms. I want to be clear. That's very different than, say, Chinese semiconductor industry which they are putting an enormous amount of money in. They want to be world-class. That's very different from artificial intelligence 
and smart cities and sensors and autonomous driving where the Chinese want their companies to be world leaders. So I, I think that you may be over egging the pudding a bit by saying okay. that this is the year we found out she is a communist. Gotcha. Yeah, cut it out, you over-egger. Um, we, could, we could talk for the next month about China, but let's move on to number two, which I found so interesting. The techno-polar world, the report says the physical world is a mess because no countries are willing or able to provide global leadership. Digital space is even more poorly governed. Do tell. Well, we're, we're so everyone is angry at the big tech companies now because there's so much disinformation, um, because there's so many challenges in terms of cyber attacks and personal security getting hacked and critical infrastructure getting hacked. And so you're hearing people say, well, government has to do something about this. In 2022, companies, tech companies are going to get richer and more powerful faster than governments can catch up to regulate them. And that means more disinformation more anxious populations, more problems in in governance and elections. You know, when you and I were kids, we would, if you wanted to figure out how screwed up we are, we would say, well, it was either the way you were brought up, it's nurture, or it's your genetics, it's nature. Increasingly, it's actually nature versus nurture versus algorithms. It's, wow. You know, the, it's the virtual world and the way that kids are getting information and connecting with people as intermediated by these algorithms driven by tech companies. And, you know, we're doing that without testing them on on anyone first. You wouldn't do that with a drug. You wouldn't do that with a GMO crop. But we're doing that with literally the the thought processes of the brains of our children. And I, I don't see how that isn't becoming a much more significant risk for society. Wow. As a, as a guy who's raising a, a 9-year-old and a, an 11-year-old boy right now and dealing with a lot of that, that is... Man, that's a heap and helping us stuff to think about right there. That is really interesting. Well, you know that these the executives from these companies don't let their kids on this stuff. Right? Right. Absolutely. So, so perhaps I'm an idiot because I thought, um, and, and about half the audience is saying perhaps, um, <laughs> I, I, I've thought the U.S. midterms is going to be fairly predictable and probably not of great note. You disagree, obviously. That's high on your list at number three. Tell us what you're thinking. Well, look, I mean, this is in part, this is because the 2022 election is so critically important for 2024. Um, And in part, it's because the United States is fundamentally more politically dysfunctional and divided than any of our, you know, major advanced industrial allies. I mean, we've had elections in the last few months in Germany, Japan, in Canada. They've all been fine, free and fair. We'll have in the next few months in South Korea, France, no problem. We cannot, we can no longer have free, fair, legitimate national elections in the United States. The losing side thinks that they're illegitimate and stolen. And that started in 2016 with the Russia collusion story. Hillary Clinton didn't support it, but a lot of Democrats did. It got much worse in 2020 because Trump himself pushed the big lie and has been doing it very effectively with his supporters for the last year. And now we're setting up for the midterm elections where, I mean, you know, the Republicans led by Trump are very likely to take the House, maybe the Senate and key gubernatorial and state legislatures, which are going to be critical for certifying the election in 2024. So this is kind of the tipping point for what is likely to be a much more problematic and, dare I say, crisis cycle for, as in the run up to 2024. 
Number five on the list, uh, skipping another China-related topic, is Russia. Russia. Uh, there's a huge divide in the United States between people who are critically interested in that and people who say it's a border dispute in Eastern Europe. What the hell do we care? Why should we care? Well, um, we care in part because the Europeans are our most important allies. The transatlantic relationship matters. Um, and we also care because uh, the Russians engage in asymmetric uh, power efforts to undermine us uh, and weaken our transatlantic relationship. And, and the uh, incursions into Ukraine, the invasion back in 2014 was a part of that. So Russia, look, they're making a lot of money uh, off of higher energy prices. And as the winter is coming, uh, the Europeans need Russian gas and they're facing shortages. So this is high time for the Russians to cause trouble for the West. And that's why they put 100,000 troops on Ukraine's border. We got together with the Europeans and said, if you invade, um, we're going to sanction you so hard, your, your economy is going to be destroyed. And the question is, are the Russians prepared to call that bluff in full or in part? And if they, if they call that bluff in part, is it possible that the Americans are on board and the Europeans are not? And Ooh. Biden looks really weak and the relationship really blows up. Uh, I would uh, like to congratulate you for getting through uh, this much without any of your uh, trucker language that nearly cost us our FCC license last time. But um, no, I mean, I, who's who's going to think about the children? It's important. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Hey, we were just talking about the op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal today by a couple of think tank experts about how Biden's got a tough decision to make, like in the coming weeks, maybe about Iran. Where do you rank that? Oh, we're screwed on Iran. Can I say that? Yes. Yeah, good. Um, I mean, this is the one policy, foreign policy, that Trump actually destroyed. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things Trump did to overturn stuff that Obama did, and then we went back. So Paris Climate Accord, he pulls out, we go back in, nobody cares. Um, You know, he says we're going to leave the World Health Organization in the middle of the pandemic. Biden recommits, nobody cares. He leaves the Iranian nuclear deal, which Rex Tillerson, you know, the, the Secretary of State, for a hot second, actually said that the Iranians were complying with. Everyone supports us staying in the deal. He leaves. Biden wants to get back in. We can't get back in because the Iranians said, nope, we're, we're, fully, we're full speed ahead with our nuclear program. They are now four weeks away from nuclear breakout capability. Four and weeks. Gulf Ally, four weeks. Four weeks uh, in terms of highly enriched uranium stockpiling four weeks away from having the capacity to develop a nuclear weapon. Do we strike uh, them in a major military way, uh, the way the Wall Street Journal op-ed piece suggests? I mean, certainly the Israelis will up their sabotage game, and the likelihood that this becomes a military confrontation is going up. This This is a crisis that is now directly on Biden's lap because the U.S. unilaterally decided to rip up the deal. We will have a link to the Eurasia Group's 2022 risk report, top risks 2022, if you want to look at the rest of it. Ian, as always, we could talk to you all day, uh, but you have limited time. We thank you so much for the insight. We look forward to the next chance to talk. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Be good. You too. Thanks. Four weeks, his number for when Iran has breakout. Are you pooping me? Are you shitting me? So if there's going to be a military strike, it's coming soon. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, uh, we know a lot of you Trump fans can't stand it. He uh, he calls uh, calls him as he sees him. He thinks Trump made some big mistakes, and he doesn't care who who's mad. Uh, we think he's an interesting guy, so we talk to him.
Yeah, I think the Iranian thing would have turned out the same way either way, but uh, uh, it's slight change in timetable, maybe, honestly. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.